Hey everybody, welcome back to Han Talks First, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Han, and today we are talking yet again about the music of Star Wars. But this time, I will be giving you my ranking of every John Williams theme. Okay, well, I can't give you every rank because we would be here forever. But I narrowed it down to my top 10, and I will be giving some honorable mentions as well. And I'm pretty excited. As some of you may know, I'm a musician myself, classically trained, been playing for over 12 years. I've played in school, band, I've studied in college, uh, and it's been a big part of my life, especially with Star Wars, since obviously I run a Star Wars podcast. So this franchise means a lot to me. And there's two reasons why we're doing this episode today. One of them is that John Williams recently celebrated his 90th birthday, which is pretty impressive and amazing and epic considering his catalog of film scores. But the second reason is also because he has announced he is retiring. John Williams is retiring after his score of Indiana Jones 5. Really sad. You know, I mean, he has a, like I just said, a huge catalog of film scores, tons of memorable, memorable themes. And we'll talk about how they're so memorable in a little bit too. But it's just, it's an amazing career. And I want to celebrate it by talking about some of his best themes and how I rank them for my own liking. You know, there's two, there's, (laughs) I kind of don't want the new Indiana Jones to come out because then we can just hold off on John Williams retiring. He can never retire because the movie never comes out, you see, (laughs) but you know, it is what it is. So I hope you enjoy my list today. We're going to talk all about these scores and why they're so special and really dive into the music and check out some other episodes on my podcast about, about the music, if that's what you're into, or just recaps of Obi-Wan Kenobi, some of the theories I put out there, and the analysis episodes, whatever you like, doesn't matter. And be sure to check me out on Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you are socially involved. I'm there at Han Talks First. So let's dive right into this ranking of the musical themes of Star Wars on Han Talks First. Some people out there will say that Star Wars is the music, as far as the things that make it so great and amazing. Now, a part of that is true, but there's also things like the mythology building, the the world building, the writing, the, the character arcs, and things like that. There's tons of things, but the music is definitely one of those. And what I want to kind of hit on first is what makes these themes that John Williams have composed so great and how they inspired other film scores for other movies and film cinema history and just what makes them so innovative. Well, part of that is because John Williams, with the Star Wars films, he revived this technique of leitmotif. And a leitmotif is te- is pretty much just a musical phrase that is inserted into the background Uh, of a scene. And for instance, fans are also familiar with the identity of Darth Vader being the Imperial March, which of course we're going to talk about. And these leitmotifs, they hail back to the operas of Wagner. 
And another popular piece of classical music with leitmotifs is Peter and the Wolf, you know, where each character gets a different instrument. You know, Peter gets these stringed instruments and the wolf gets the French horns. And it worked really well to be able to tell a story, especially in that era when films were silent and they needed music to help elevate that narrative. So John Williams brings that back with the Star Wars films. And it gives each character their own musical a theme, or in this case, a motif, a string, a phrase of musical notes that help the audience identify the tone of a certain character on screen. And pretty much everything that we're going to, I'm going to put in my ranking today is in some way, it has a light motif. There are, there are different types of light motifs, but the ones we're going to focus on in this podcast is, is the basic version, which we'll get into a little bit more. But before we, I give you my first ranking, I want to mention how John Williams got inspired for the music of Star Wars. And we have to go back all the way to 1933, actually. So back then, in 1933, there was a man named Alfred Newman, a composer. And he is the man responsible for the theme of the Fox fanfare. We all know that. The thing that plays before every Fox movie you know you know what it is so that became a very popular uh stinger at the beginning of every fox movie and it was played in front of all of their films up until around the 60s when the studio felt it was getting dated or people weren't as interested or inspired by it anymore but it came back it was brought back and it was brought back because of one man george lucas George Lucas loved that original stinger for for 20th Century Fox, and he asked if the studio could bring it back so they could put it in front of the Star Wars film because he felt it was a great way to kick off an adventure fantasy. And that, that opening fanfare for Fox was an integral part to the music that John Williams would compose. So if we look at the Fox fanfare, it's in the key of B-flat, which is a very triumphant... Uh, key, especially when you're adding drums with it, because certain snares are tuned to a B-flat, so it really amplifies that presence. So the Star Wars theme, the main theme, the one that everybody knows, even if you don't have never seen a Star Wars film, that was written purposely on the same key as the 20th Century Fox fanfare, and that used to appear before every movie. And they did, John Williams did that so that there would be a continuous feeling and a smooth entry into the Star Wars film for the viewers. Now, there are some people out there that really do wish that the 20th Century Fox uh, logo and song played before the current era Star Wars films, and that just goes to show you how, how much importance it had on those movies. It became a part of those movies. It would be the 20th Century Fox logo, it would be the A Long Time Ago in a Galaxy Far Away. And then it would be the... It's just, it worked. And it it created a mood. It just brought the audience into the world. And I think that was a brilliant move on John Williams' part. And he continued to do that in other pieces of music he wrote for Star Wars. Kind of basing it off that idea. You know, transitioning pieces of music smoothly and not too drastically, if that makes any sense to you at all. 
<laughs> so we're, we'll talk about a bunch of different things about uh, more about the, the theory of it all as far as the music John Williams composed. But let's go ahead and jump into our ranking. And I'm going to give you some honorable mentions before number 10. So first off, I just want to say Kylo Ren's theme in The Force Awakens is a beautiful, uh, what is the word for it? A demented theme. And I really wish it had gotten a chance to be rephrased in episode eight and episode nine. But look, The Force Awakens brought a lot of new, great music from John Williams. A lot of it that I think it's overlooked. But Kylo Ren being one of those themes. It relies on this old uh, style of Gregorian chanting, uh, specifically called Desiree. And I'm sure you all know the, the common phrasing of that, Desiree, or something like that. It's, it's an old, very old, uh, Mozart used it a lot in his writings, and that's kind of how the Kylo Ren theme plays. Dun, 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 dun. It's just, <laughs> I'll play the music for the, the ranking uh the ranking themes, but for my honorable mentions, I won't play the music. So I'm sorry if my voice doesn't, doesn't really cut it. You know, I'm, I'm not John Williams, but yeah, Kylo Ren's theme, I think is great. It also has an interesting chemistry with Ray's theme. They actually blend together and they have similar movements and they also mimic each other in their rhythm, which is uh, brilliant, but we'll talk about that again another time. So another honorable mention is the Cantina band song, which is Probably the only song that John Williams has written for Star Wars. And I'm not counting that 1977 disco version of the Star Wars theme. (laughs) A lot of people back then just wanted to forget about it. But I think it's pretty hot. And if you haven't heard it, go check it out on Spotify or somewhere. So yeah, the Cantina Band song. Look, it's not in my ranking of top 10 because it's it's played so much. And for me... It, it gets super repetitive only because people play it all the time. And I now find it a little bit annoying, not going to lie. <laughs> but it's still, it's still, it's still, I still love it. It still means a lot. When I was at Galaxy's Edge, I bought one of the instruments from the Cantina Band. That's how much I love it. And what's interesting about this Cantina Band is, you know, back in the 70s, they didn't have the same vernacular that we have in modern times, especially slang they had different types of slang you know but the the music that he was writing for the cantina band he was instructed by george lucas to write something that would sound as if aliens came to our world and discovered our instruments and how they would interpret to play it he wanted something that sounded like that which is a very a very interesting description so john williams wrote this music and he decided to take that same a template as how to write it as to how to name it. So instead of calling it jazz, he called it jizz. <laughs> the Cantina Band music is known as jizz, and they've never changed it. They'll change the name of Slave One, but they won't change the name of jizz. <laughs> so just a fun fact there. Another honorable mention is Yoda's theme. Please do not, you know, hate me or click away just because I said it's not in my top 10 but Yoda's theme it's 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 an amazing score it's beautiful it works for the time that it's used in Empire Strikes Back but there's not a clear enough motif there 
that makes me want to put it in my top 10. You know, it's, it's mostly a harmonic song. And we'll talk a little bit about different types of modes and scales that John Williams used. But the Yoda theme, it's powerful enough to be appreciated by me, but there's not enough that I think I can elaborate on for this particular podcast. Two more in my honorable mentions. Uh, one of them is the Victory Celebration. That's the piece of music that's played at the very end of Return of the Jedi after they've won the war and they've defeated the second Death Star yet again. And uh, Luke is redeems his father and all that kind of stuff. And they're celebrating the Ewoks, all that kind of stuff. I think it's kind of overlooked. I think that ending song... I'm sorry, I said song. <laughs> all, the, all the musicians out there are going to kill me. The ending piece in Return of the Jedi is is beautiful. It it's celebratory. It sounds weird to say it. It's the name of the song, but or name of the piece, but it is celebratory. You actually feel the emotion in the piece. And it's contrived of a bunch of different uh musical styles from both eastern and western, and I think that was done purposefully to show that this is a you know, off-planetary style of music and it was it was great for return of the jedi uh it's not great enough to be my top 10 but yes honorable mention and the last one i'll mention here is march of the resistance this was the new march theme that was written for the sequel trilogy definitely not anywhere close to as great as the imperial march but i i still love it i think it's another piece that's often overlooked you know, The Force Awakens, like I said, brought tons of really fantastic music, and March the Resistance is one of them. The bum bum ba da dum bum ba da 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 It's great, and it's used several times in the movie, but with uh, different uh, sections to it. Um, so I highly encourage anyone to go back and listen to these honorable mentions. But let's dive in to my top ten of the John Williams Star Wars themes. So starting out with number 10, Augie's Great Municipal Band. And if you are wondering, what in the world is that? I'll play you a clip right now. Trust me, I know I can hear some of you being like, why in the world is this in your top 10? Look, this piece of music is just fun to me. You know, when I saw Phantom Menace as a kid, this piece of music really hit me because, you know, when you're a kid and you get a happy ending, a somewhat happy ending, but you had that great fight scene where Obi-Wan and Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn were up against each other and then, you know, the Gungans were fighting the droids and all that good stuff and then they just celebrate with a big parade and that's what this is. It's a celebration and it was the it was kind of a mimic uh, mockery of the victory celebration at the end of Return of the Jedi and it it also has a lot of very interesting backstory to how it was composed a fun fact about you know what is augie's great municipal band well <laughs> augie is a gungan and the municipal municipal band that he conducts is a band composed of gungans i mean i'm sure some of you already realize that because in the movie when they're parading down the streets the gungans are the ones with the instruments and that's what this comes from so it, it was a great 
I love that John Williams adds story to his music, even if it's not in the actual movie itself. You know, he decided to give the conductor of of this municipal band a name, Augie, and it just adds to the characterisms of Star Wars and how they they world build, they they lore build. You know, in the original Star Wars, I know I'm going on a tangent. All those characters in the cantina each had a story and a name and a distinction. And John Williams does the same with his music. So one of the most cunning tricks that John Williams made in The Phantom Menace was creating this parade music from music that already existed in the Emperor's theme. So obviously he had to allude to that because it's called The Phantom Menace. It was the worst kept secret. We all know Emperor Palpatine was or I'm sorry, Chancellor Palpatine was the emperor. Or at that time, I think he was just a senator, but yeah, regardless. So he he simply just took the score from the emperor's theme, which was in a minor key, and he flipped it and he made it a major key. And it has the uh, relatively the the same basic rhythmic phrasings to it, just with a twist. And the Emperor theme, if you want a reference, you can find it in Return of the Jedi. Um, but this is, what, this is what makes John Williams' music so great. You know, he, he innovates styles and with the light motifs and brings back classical elements and from the Romantic period and other different periods. But he just, he expands on them in his own music. The music tells just as much a continuation of story as the actual movies, the movie narratives do. So very interesting. I think it's just a fun piece. And, you know, go listen to it. Go have fun. And it transitions very smoothly into the fanfare at the end of The Phantom Menace. So that is spot number 10. Moving on to number nine, Ray's theme. Ray's theme was one of the most beautiful pieces to come out of The Force Awakens. It's one of the earliest pieces that is the most memorable to me. And it really showed, wow, John Williams has not aged at all in his creativity. And he outdid himself. I think Ray's theme is one of the most underrated pieces from The Force Awakens. A lot of people appreciate it. But when you look at how this is composed, and also how it's conducted, but how it's written, it's a very clever piece. And of course, John Williams brings back that Harry Potter element back when he wrote the Harry Potter themes. You know, he brings back the bells and the the combination of like flutes and woodwinds and all that kind of stuff just to bring out this great wondrous piece about a new character. And what's interesting was this was actually the first piece of music he started writing for The Force Awakens. When he says that when he first saw the film, he began con- composing this music and he felt empathy towards the character of Rey as she is the first introduced alone and without a family. And he wanted the theme to illustrate that empathy and whatever he felt towards her. So he composed the theme with a musical grammar that was intended more as an adventure theme rather than a hero's theme, and one that promises more adventure and resolution to come. This is a quote from John Williams. He says, 
Ray, her theme has a musical grammar that is not heroic in the sense of a hero's theme. It's kind of an adventure theme that makes promises more than resolving itself in the major triumphant resolutions. So he put it very well, and it definitely you can feel that in this piece. This particular theme is led by strings and woodwinds, and of course, the first motif being bells. But Ray's theme is a, you know, what makes it so special is it's, it's contrived to this mysterious five-segment piece with a, with a core leitmotif of a quickly alternating notes played by various instruments throughout. So each piece of the five piece is, it switches an instrument. Start queuing off with those bells and then going into sections such as a solo flute, it really adds to that character building of her trying to figure out who she is, where she belongs, trying out different instruments, different ways of life. It's, it's a brilliant theme. I love Ray's theme. It's one I, I revisit often. And I don't know, I highly recommend you guys just, you know, if you're ever in a bad mood or you feel like you're down, listen to Ray's theme. It always brings me up. All right, moving on to number eight. This is a good one, and one you all are going to love. Battle of the Heroes. So for every new Star Wars movie, George Lucas wanted a new major theme to be an accent to a standalone film. So when The Revenge of the Sith came around, George Lucas had specifically asked John Williams to write a piece that depicted a tragic duel between two former friends. And I must say, the piece he made here is absolutely brilliant. And it ties in heavily with Duel of Fates, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But the use of intense choral arrangements in this piece is what echoes the work done in Duel of the Fates. It, ha- it takes the beginning, the beginning end piece, Duel of the Fates, and it expands on it in Battle of the Heroes. It's like poetry, like George Lucas says. It's like poetry, it rhymes, but sometimes music can rhyme as well. And it's almost like this is a, a final phrase to that Duel of the Fates epic. It's, and this goes back again into that Desiree style of, of movements. And it was a big component with this, especially with the, the choral arrangements behind it. Now, what's, what's so triumphant about this is how it comps to the action on screen. You know, I, I'm not sure if this particular piece was written after he saw the fight scene or if it was written before, I would guess before because it tells a story of its own. And it's 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 just such a great song. This is the kind of song you play when you're like about to go into an interview, right? Or you're about to, I don't know, ask out your date or get ready for your first date, something like that. It's a fantastic piece of music, uh, but unfortunately it's only in my number eight. So let's move on and let me give you number seven. The world-famous Imperial March, otherwise known as Vader's Theme. Mm -hmm. 
So one thing I forgot to mention in my intro was that John Williams has been known throughout a large majority of his music to be a little bit of a copycat. And I know some people get wildly offended when whenever I say that, but it's it's the truth. And what he does is he takes musical ideas from other composers and just expands on them, innovates them. Honestly, he makes them a little bit better. And look, I know what you could say. Every creative artist does that. It's taking inspiration from something and making it your own. And with music, it's even more particularly particularly hard because there's only seven notes, right? In Western culture, if you get into the Eastern culture, there's gets more, there's like 25, sometimes there's 30. It's, it's a lot. But when you're talking about Western classical uh, music like this, the Romantic era music, it's it gets very difficult. But, you know, there's instances like the the fanfare, the, the main theme for Star Wars. There was this movie in the uh, early 70s called King's Row, and th- it was actually the movie that George Lucas said he wanted the music of Star Wars to feel like. He instructed John Williams to write something like King's Row, and he came up with the Star Wars fanfare because of that. Now, the King's Row theme plays a little bit like this. Bum, 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 bum. So it's triumphant. It has that war feeling. It's a march feel. But John Williams just made it way better because his theme is bum, 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 ba, da, 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 da. But do you hear the similarities? It has the same rhythmic introduction and uh, some of the phrasings in the the other sections of the songs complement each other a little bit too but you know i bring this up because the imperial march is not as original as you might think the imperial march is based off the funeral march that you hear at (laughs) go figure a funeral now it it's one of those situations again where it's an improvement on the pre-existing. So the funeral march, for those of you that either can't remember or don't know, it plays like this. Bum, bum, ba-bum, bum, ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. You recognize it now? It's familiar, right? And the imperial march is the same exact thing, just it's made more of a a march that represents the, how would you put it, an authoritarian government. Uh, or Darth Vader in this case, villainous. So it takes that funeral theme, bum, 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 and it changes it into dun, 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 Brilliant. Like, whenever he's looking for inspiration, I think he finds the perfect identities in our history and music culture to put it into these movies. The Imperial March is a fantastic piece of music, it it's one that kind of defined the Empire Strikes Back, and it elevated the character of Darth Vader. It's it did a lot for that movie, and you know, in the recent examples of Star Wars television on Obi Wan Kenobi, a lot of people were complaining that there wasn't enough of the Imperial March in the Vader scenes. It did play it in one part, but there was still complaint of the lacking of it throughout the series. Well, I would argue that you know maybe. If we're looking at it from a John Williams point of view, it wasn't time yet. You know, in Revenge of the Sith, he did play 
a homage to the Imperial March during the raid on the Jedi Temple when Anakin went to go slaughter younglings. And it was it was just a it was a it was a big, it was an infancy of the Imperial March movement. And I would, you know, argue that Obi-Wan Kenobi series, while the music in that wasn't as great as it should have been, I don't think it called for a straightforward Imperial March theme. So there's that. Let's move on and talk about number six from Attack of the Clones, Across the Stars. This one is also better known as the Anakin and Padme love theme. Each trilogy has a significant love theme. Actually, I don't think the sequels do. Um, I can't think of one. But the, the first two trilogies had a very significant love theme. And this one was Across the Stars. This one is my number six spot because I think this is a absolutely beyond brilliant piece of music. And just to get in a little bit more about how it's how it's uh, composed and created, it, it's a it has three sections to this piece: a section A, B, and C. And it opens up with this first section being as uh, the introduction to this love light motif, like we've been talking about. John Williams scores have this light motif, and in this circumstance, it's the. And it goes on, but uh, I could talk about this piece all day. But this leitmotif is reinforcing sympathy for Anakin and his choice of either going to be with Padme or continuing on to become a Jedi Master. It's a very hesitant section. It's very light. It's very soft. You know, it, it's it's all about thinking about your choices, right? And then it moves on to the second section, section B. This is the climax of the piece it's an emotional climax and it's about the story of padme and anakin that's being emphasized at that moment when they're professing their love to each other you remember that amazing scene when they're by the fireplace and they're like i love you padme i'm kidding it's a terrible scene it makes me cringe every single time what is the line he says he's like i can't be here to I can't be a, I can't bear to be a without you, Padme. It's it's cringy. We all know. So yeah, the the second section of this piece emphasizes that moment, and that's specifically actually where it's played. So it's the part where they confess their love for each other. A decision hasn't been made, but the choices have grown stronger in consequence. And then finally, section C. This is the section that is fraught with tension there are elements of luke skywalker's theme there are elements of the original fanfare it is melodic but it is also minor and major it has so many different parts to it and the great thing about across the stars is it is an exact mimicking of the luke skywalker theme or the the original star wars fanfare John Williams calls it Luke's theme, but I don't want people to get confused with the um, uh, the Force theme, which I consider Luke's theme. 
So yeah, it's a complete mimic of the Star Wars fanfare. And as far as the different sections go. So for section A, if we look at right and then we compare it to the opening theme of star wars it goes into that triplet melody but it also begins with uh three significant notes played on a one one note so you can sing that rhythm to both of them, and it's the same exact pacing and timing, and it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. It's kind of hinting to the fact that the the connection that these two have is going to lead to a child that will be Luke, hinting at Luke's theme. It's fucking brilliant. Do you see what I'm saying here? I could... I could go on. I mean, this across the stars, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I should have put it higher up on my list because it is a, it's an amazing piece of music. There's, there's tons of elements to this melody, harmony, tonally that we could go on and on about. But for right now, it's number six. Let me give you spot number five. A lot of people's favorite, something that I weep every time I hear it or almost weep. I'm not that big of a baby. But number five is... Princess Leia's love theme. So the melody of Princess Leia's theme is built off two distinct cells that reflect her character's inherent contradiction. The first one is an upward leap of a major six from the dominant into the mediant. While large melodic leaps traditionally imply heroism and confidence, John Williams very often uses major six for his love themes. And it makes sense because it's it's like... Um, just as it's it's written in uh, music theory, it's a leap. It's a stretch. It's like uh, going to reach for the lo- the one you love or trying to work towards love. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but he uses it a lot of music, and then other composers have had started to use it after he implemented it into tons of his love themes. But he does that here. Now, the second component of this melody. And the one that John Williams develops out a little bit more fully, it outlines a falling third by using an eighth and two sixteenth notes. And it keeps the tune hovering around the unstable second, third, and fourth scale degrees. This represents Leia's vulnerability and her yearning and the private side of the woman who, in public, is the leader of the rebellion. So it it reflects both personas of Leia, the vulnerable side who just wants to love and have friends and be, you know, Leia. But then there's the other one who's princess, who wants to be a leader, who who can't focus on those other things. It's it's a gorgeous theme. It's it's one that, you know, whenever I hear it, I I really feel it. And that's why it's a number number 5. The best iteration of this that I've heard was at, I think it was Star Wars Celebration 2017 in Orlando or Chicago. I don't remember which, but 
highly recommend you guys go to YouTube and search the live performance of the song at Celebration and listen to it, conducted by John Williams. And it's one of the best versions of it I've heard with the London Symphony Orchestra. And who who are the best? They're they absolute best. Um, but yeah, Leia's love theme, uh, hinting towards the Han and Leia relationship. And it kind of is became the basis of the solo theme in the standalone solo movie. But that's a whole other conversation. But Princess Leia's love theme is definitely... I think one of the best love themes he's written inside not just Star Wars, but his entire film score catalog. So with that out of the way, we are over the halfway point, and let's move on to ranking number four, which is the Force theme. This is the piece of music that we are given when we are first introduced to Luke Skywalker, the man who just lost his aunt and uncle. And it begins at that binary sunset as it swells and it softens and it shows the struggle of our hero and the, on the journey he's about to take. You know, his, his aunt and uncle just died. He wanted to leave he wanted to get out there, but he kept giving himself excuses, and now he has no more excuses, so he ultimately has to go out, go on this adventure. And originally, the musical score to this scene was actually a little bit more foreboding and much darker. And the track was replaced when George Lucas and John Williams were decided that, hey, this, this actually isn't the right tone. You know, after looking at the footage, being like, it really should be an uplifting moment because this is ultimately going to turn into Luke's theme. He's the symbol of hope, after all. And that's what this piece really emphasizes, is hope. You know, this is that, that piece of music that, when it plays, it makes me want to go out and do things. It makes me want to go, even if it's just down to the coffee shop, just to get out of the house a little bit, you know, something like that. It's... Such a memorable piece. I mean, da, na, 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 na. I absolutely adore this piece of music. It's it's one that has been, you know, rearranged throughout every single Star Wars movie the most. And each time it is implemented, it is it's it's done so well. John Williams has this way of rearranging or remixing his work that makes it sound new and fresh. A great example is, you know, compare it from the time we first hear it at the binary sunsets to the time that we hear it at the end of The Force Awakens when Rey rediscovers Luke Skywalker. It's, it takes a, its original uh, minor approach and kind of slips on it and makes it a little bit more Dorian uh, as far as the mode. And then transitions very delicately into a, a major theme. It's, it's hard to explain that um, because I, <laughs> I can understand theory, but I cannot explain it very well, hence why I am not a teacher. But uh, yeah, this is a great one. This is the kind that you, you, whenever you hear it, you just want to go out and do something. So the fourth theme is number four. And now let's move on to number three, which is what I actually think is one of the most interesting pieces that John Williams has ever written. The one of the most dynamic pieces, one of the most 
uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's indescribable. It's one that many people overlook. It was actually almost cut from the movie Revenge of the Sith, but I'm so glad they kept it in there. It is a dark, evil, and dreadful sounding piece. And that is Padme's Ruminations from Revenge of the Sith. You can just feel the anger and the hatred and the suffering in this piece. It is vile. And, I mean, how many of you got a little freaked out when you just heard it playing right there? (laughs) I was, when I was putting this podcast together, and my notes and getting the music ready and stuff like that, I I played this one again because, like I said, it it is one of the most fascinating pieces of music by John Williams, and it has a lot to do with the way it it plays with the film because listening to it alone it's very creepy and it doesn't really sound star warsy but when you watch it with the story being told it is one of the most powerful moments in revenge of the sith i think to me my favorite moment in revenge of the sith i think it's the most underrated piece of music and scene in that movie it's one of the best scenes trust me i'm going to be doing a video at some point talking about why that is the best scene in revenge of the sith but for now let's just talk about the music so george lucas stated that the scene that this takes place in it required very little music which would convey the conflict within anakin skywalker between the life of his lover padme whom he was unwilling to let go of and then his greed for the greater good so it's kind of balances back to the across the stars movement but it's just it's a much darker version and the most interesting thing about it and what makes this so so special in conversation with the other themes and leitmotifs is it is a combination of both the emperor's theme and the force theme a very interesting collaboration but again going back to the story this piece all the pieces, but this one in particular, really focuses on what the story is to tell. The music, going back to the Peter and the Wolf scenario, is telling the story of Anakin Skywalker through sounds. And again, this is is probably one of the best scenes in the movie, for me anyway. A haunting piece, a, a, it's just so different. It's so different than anything else in any of the films. And to me, that's what makes it so fantastic. What do you guys think? I want to know what your thoughts on Padme's ruminations are. If you want to get more context, pause this podcast. I really don't want you to, but pause it. Go watch that scene and then come back and you'll really get a sense of what what I'm talking about. So with that out of the way, we have two more down, two more that I really think you're going to enjoy and you can probably already guess what they are if you are a massive Star Wars fan like me. But let's go ahead and get out of the way with number two. Duel of the Fates. (laughs) 
Duel of the Fates, what can I say about this? I mean, it is it was the best thing to come out of The Phantom Menace. Look, I don't remember going to the theater or anything, but ever since that movie came out, anyone can hum that tune. It's <laughs> it's amazing. And it goes so well with that fight. And this goes back into how George Lucas wanted a main theme for every single Star Wars standalone film, and this was that theme for the for The Phantom Menace. I mean, what in the world? It just feels so great, right? So what, how did this get inspired? How did, how did John Williams get to the point where he was able to conduct and compose this piece of music? Well, he was influenced by the utilization of a poem. I forget what the name of the poem is. I think it was called um, The White Goddess which was about battling trees. And it comes from a book about Celtic folklore. And in the text, he was able to get it translated by a friend who was at Harvard, who like studied the Celtic folklore language and stuff. And he became obsessed with this poem. And he... I'll, I'll read you a little bit of the translation to give you a sense of what the actual lyrics mean. But... There was something about the phrasing of the first couple lines that made Williams want to put that into this piece. And that results in Kara Matha Kara Rathama. And that can be heard during the beginning of Duel of Fates, that amazing opening. And then also throughout the throughout the whole entire piece, uh just building and building. But what that translates to is this dreadful head dreadful speak give dreadful speak give battle dreadful dreadful raging speak give purify going dreadful like taking separate going now i know what you're thinking that makes absolutely zero sense and it doesn't make any sense it's a very rough translation but basically it's it the the whole entire poem was about these battling trees and uh, about the the brotherhood being broken and reassembled at the same time. And it was a huge inspiration for this song. Song. See, I did it again. I'm a very poor musician to call it a song. You must all hate me right now. Peace. This peace. It's it's an amazing piece. It you know, there's there's not much I can say about it that you guys don't already know. You know, everything from the very uh percussiveness of it the melody of it and the way it has this this you know pattering systems is a a form of of writing lyrics and stuff like that but i really feel that in this not from the lyrics choral end but actually from the way the horns are implemented it's a very pattery effect and patter for those of you who don't know is uh syncopation of lyrics to a a rhythm that is very fast paced and that's what this is you know they John Williams did it with the horns in this section especially and there's parts of it where I'm just kind of like wow I I could not play that fast and uh, I I used to play trumpet in in uh, middle school I tried to get back into it but I, I lost the uh I lost I lost the mojo um but yeah it's it's a very fast paced m- movementing piece it, it's it elevates you. It makes you feel great. And it fits so well with the fight at the end of The Phantom Menace. So that's number two. 
So let's move on and talk about the one that you all probably had guessed was my number one. Look, it's kind of a given. It's hard not to put this in your number one spot, but it's the Star Wars original theme fanfare. I mean, do I even have to talk about this piece of music? We all know it's freaking amazing. It's one of the fucking best pieces of music in any freaking movie of all time. I mean, it's a triumph of the film-going experience from the beginning to the end of its performance. It's it's the film theme to end all film themes. I mean, it's it's composed like it's a song. It's It has that memorable factor. It has that catchiness. You can hum to it. It never loses its, its dignity, no matter how many times you hear it. That's what makes it so impressive and wonderful and timeless. It's timeless. It's When it opens with that trumpet, uh, the opening fanfare, and it jolts you into your seat whenever you're watching one of these movies, it snaps your attention, and then before thundering off into the most powerful and triumphant march ever recorded... You lose your mind, right? I mean, it's it's an absolute, it's a delicate piece. It's what made that first movie so amazing. Because at the time, <laughs> here comes another history lesson from Han. So at the time, you know, everyone, it, they were mandated when they were making a movie, you had to do opening credits at the beginning of a film. And George Lucas was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And he decided it's going to kick off with this giant logo of Star Wars and blasting music. And it's going to take you out of your standard movie-going experience. It was genius. Now, ultimately, George Lucas had to pay a fine because he didn't follow those rules. But he decided, I'm going to do that with this movie. And it worked. And then after, after A New Hope, so many other people tried to replicate it. So many people tried to replicate it with the same music, the same tone, all this kind of stuff, and it just didn't work. It's similar to the Imperial March as far as it, it is a march song. It's emphasis on drums and syncopation of horns, and it's, it's, just, it's what identifies Star Wars. There is not a other single piece of music out there that you cannot identify it with something else. It is, it's nostalgic but I think the most important thing that I already mentioned is that it's timeless. It's a timeless piece. You know, this really emphasizes and homages back to that romantic era of music. And it really was part of that golden age of cinema film scores. It implemented the things from movies like King's Row, from movies like Citizen Kane, all those old composers that were doing great things for cinema. And it brought that style back. Because not a lot of movies were doing this, especially at the time, especially a science fiction drama. They were getting into the more electronic route. But John Williams, George Lucas, they had the idea that if we do the electronic route, we're just going to try and be like everybody else. But what if we do something that harkens back to those old style filmmaking it has the the modern effects and all that kind of stuff but it also blends the old with the new and it just creates something even more grand and special it's an amazing piece of music there's i don't i can't think of a single damn person 
<laughs> who does not enjoy this song or or hum to it. That's what makes it so amazing, is it is written like it is a song. It has the hum factor. It has, uh, it goes back to that original motif bum, 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 about two or three times, depending on which version you listen to, just like a chorus of a song. And it always transitions really greatly into the next movement of the film. Sometimes it goes dark. Sometimes it goes even more happy. But it's it's one of those pieces that you can kind of do anything with. And along with things like King's Row and the 20th Century Fox logo, this piece of music was also inspired by the text that was written on the first original draft of Star Wars. And the original script referred to the opening theme as war drums. That was it. That was all it said. That was the only description for the music that was going to play on the title scene for Star Wars. War drums. And that was enough to get John Williams' blood flowing and his creative juices going. Pretty amazing, huh? So look, that's the list. Those are my rankings. I know I missed a lot, guys. I know. There's tons of John Williams Star Wars scores out there. There's tons of John Williams music in general. I mean, the dude is 90 years old, and he's done like 5 billion films. Did you see how I said films right there? That was a slip-up. It's late where I am. Okay, so that is the show for today. Let me know what you guys thought. You know, reach out to me on Instagram, TikTok, wherever the hell you are on social media. And uh, be sure to check out the YouTube page as well, because I put up videos up there all the time. I'm working on a a blog, a vlog actually, of my time at Star Wars Celebration. So I'm I'm editing that now and I'll put it up a little later. Um, but tons of other great videos there. I wanted to mention too, there's an episode I did on the music of Star Wars a couple months back, actually maybe like a year or two ago. It was about the hidden messages in some of the themes in the Force Awakens music. Go check that out. It's It gets a little bit deeper dive into the actual uh, composition aspect of John Williams' music, and especially the, the the music theory of it all. And I don't know if you get, if you appreciate music, if you're a musician yourself, you might appreciate that episode. So go and check that out. And I'm sure we'll do more episodes on music in the future. It's really close to my heart, and I love talking about it. So. Thank you all for joining me today. I hope you had fun. I hope you learned something. I would love to know your list, so let me know on social media or anywhere you can find me. Tell me on Twitter, or actually I'm not on Twitter anymore, sorry. Tell me on YouTube in the comments. I will. I respond to everybody. And until next time, my friends, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the Force be with you.